Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 237 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. We began our oxalic acid winter treatments this week, the first batch of many. Our bees had their first taste of wintry weather and were clustered together. Stay tuned to find out why. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Welcome back to my office. It's a little bit chilly today, both outside and in here as I'm sat at my desk. I'm very much a morning person when it comes to sitting at my desk and concentrating on any work-based subjects, be it sorting out the latest monthly accounts, updating the website, adjusting honey labels, or any one of what seems like the hundreds of other jobs that need attention. This morning, it's chilly though. It's not been this cool for a long time, and looking outside, there is a little watery sunshine trying to break through, and I can hear the central heating pump bleeding me of my hard-earned pennies. Not that I have a radiator on in my office. Once the computer gets up to speed and the label printer is spewing out labels, there's enough heat to keep me warm. Well, just... I keep glancing at the woolly hat I have on the stack of boxes behind me. I wonder if that would help. I think I'll manage for now, though. Luckily, we only have a small semi-detached house to keep warm, but it's still costing a small fortune. I say warm, but unless the grandchildren are coming round, it doesn't get so warm these days. But that's just us being more thoughtful with what we're wearing and how hot the house needs to be to prevent frostbite. If it gets us all thinking about how warm we really need to keep our homes, maybe we'll all benefit a little along with the planet. It's been another week of busy activity here at the Norfolk Honey Company. Well, here and at the workshop. More cleaning, scraping, cutting out, boiling, washing, rinsing and stacking and a host of other stuff. While I'm thinking about it, it's quite remarkable how quickly you can amass a decent amount of wax to recover and render down when you're chopping out old frames. We've filled at least a couple of bin bags of wax, which we'll render down into quite large blocks of wax ready for wax exchange, or even maybe some candles for Christmas. Who knows? It may even save me some electricity costs, light and heat, all in one handy little pillar candle. Although I may need quite a number if I'm going to get away without turning the central heating back on again. We've worked our way through nearly all of the old national supers now. There are a few left that still need a bit of TLC, a little bit of repair work required on them. But for the most part, we're getting there now. The national and commercial brood boxes are all but ready to go too. Again, a couple over at the grain store that just need cleaning out. And then I'll be onto the floors, crown boards, queen excluders and roofs. I've also got to clean out the jumbo feeders, but that's just a quick rinse so they won't take too long. 
I am looking forward to finally having all of the non-Langstroth kit away so I can then focus on the kit I'll be using in the new season. We're also making some headway in the grain store too. I bumped into the owner this week and we're going to have a formal sit-down meeting, hopefully in the next week or two, so that we can get some agreement on what he can offer and what I actually need. Hopefully we'll be able to start putting some work in and making the grain store our permanent home for the coming months and years ahead. It will be good to finally have a secure base from which to work from and to get a bit more organised in terms of storage and workspace. I'm hoping we can get hold of a steel shipping container fairly soon and convert it into the honey extraction room that we need before we start pulling supers off colonies next spring. Now that seems such a long way off, but I just know it will be here before we're ready unless we get cracking now. The change in weather conditions has a quite dramatic effect on our bees and it can be quite a shock to anyone new to beekeeping who might be planning to carry out any oxalic acid treatments over the coming weeks and months. A lack of flying bees or any kind of movement at the entrance of the hive can be something to worry about during the active part of the season but our bees are designed to survive the harshest of winters and will shut down very quickly when the weather turns cold, as it has done recently for us here in Norfolk. So what are you likely to see, and why does it happen? Well, you're not going to see a lot, and that's just fine. If you look at the entrance of your hive, you will probably see no activity at all. No bees moving around, no bees guarding the entrance. In fact, the only thing you might see are a few dead bees in or around the entrance. But don't let that worry you too much. It's not a problem. If this is your first winter as a beekeeper, you may well already be fretting about your bees. Have you fed them enough? Have they eaten all the stores you've already fed them? Should you add fondant to them? now, just in case. Why aren't they moving and flying around like they were last week? Should I inspect them to make sure everything is okay? I do understand these worries. It's perfectly normal to be a little apprehensive about getting your bees through the cold winter months and into the next season. But let me try to reassure you a little. Let's make a couple of assumptions here. Firstly, you've treated your bees at some point in the autumn with a varroa treatment. And secondly, you've checked your bees have enough stores, at least for the short term, by maybe hefting, or you've simply added a feeder and given them plenty of sugar syrup in the weeks leading up to the change from late autumn warmth to early winter chills. If you haven't done this, don't panic, we can rectify the situation quite simply. If you look at the entrance, you may see one or two dead bees. Again, nothing to worry about, as I mentioned. Use a small piece of electrical wire or something similar to hook them out. More on that kind of thing later in the winter, though, but it's not a major problem. Right about now, your bees will be showing you what it's like when they cluster as the temperatures turn colder. Again, for the uninitiated, it can look quite concerning particularly if the colony isn't a large one. Hundreds of bees clinging together in a lifeless-looking mass, stuck between frames and not really moving at all. 
For more experienced beekeepers, it all seems perfectly normal, I know, but when you see it for the first time, it might give you cause for concern. Worry even. Never fear, it's exactly what the bees should be doing. As temperatures drop, the bees need to keep warm or they'll die of hypothermia. They also need to maintain a brood nest temperature of something around 34 degrees Celsius to keep the brood, what little there may be, from dying. Lots of other honeybee functions require much higher temperatures too within the hive than the ambient outside temperatures, so even though our honeybees may look dormant, they're anything but in reality. Depending on the outside temperatures, your bees may move around a little, and some of them might come to the top of the frames to see what the heck is going on, but when it is very cold, they won't budge. It's a good time to carry out any oxalic acid trickle treatments, as you won't have to smoke them and they won't fly up and buzz your veil. That said, as with most things in beekeeping, never say never, so do light a smoker and pop on a bee suit or jacket, if only to keep yourself warm. So, having determined that this behaviour is all perfectly normal for our bees, it's a great time to get that trickle treatment into them. But remember, you're after a broodless period, and the only way to really see if they're broodless is to open up the frames, and that's really not something that I would recommend. And herein lies the conundrum for beekeepers using oxalic acid as a winter treatment for varroa. Get it right and you'll probably be varroa free for the start of the new season. Get it wrong and all you'll do is waste time, effort and money on treatments that completely miss the mark. My preferred solution is a three-week treatment carried out every seven days. This should catch any varroa out in the open and give the best chance of, if not a total removal of varroa from your hive, then at least a decent number of varroa should be caught by this process, reducing their population and hopefully delaying any mass growth of varroa until very late in the autumn or even winter period when once again you can use the oxalic acid treatment. But no doubt we'll talk more of that as the winter progresses. In other news... And heading back into the honey room, I've sprung a leak. To be precise, my apimelter has sprung a leak. It came out of nowhere. Unfortunately, it was during my cleaning up process, so there wasn't a sudden puddle of honey on the floor, just a small patch of washing water. I'm not sure exactly where the leak originates from. I hadn't actually got to the nitty-gritty of cleaning it out, just a couple of buckets of water and washing soda left in it overnight and when I turned the heat on the next morning it started to drip. Fortunately the bottom plate underneath the apimelter is removable so the plan is to take that off completely and see what's going on. I did unscrew most of the base plate to allow the stainless steel sheet to droop to one corner so any water inside would run down and drip off in that corner. It's revealed a kind of fibreglass insulation in the base, and I'm assuming behind that are the heater cables. My hope is I can somehow clamp or tape the seam tightly enough to stop the leak, as now I've had a closer look, it doesn't appear to be welded along the end seams. I had started to record a video of my cleaning process, something I've done each year, the cleaning process that is, 
completed after the final extraction, and this is the first time I've had any issues. I'm going to get the camera under the Appy Melter and show you all what's going on. Just another challenge to sort before we get started with the next season. Another piece of kit that we've been experimenting with this year has been the Captor Lift. I've not mentioned it much this season because actually we've not used it much, mainly because it broke on us twice. The first time was way back at the beginning of the season. Now that seems a long time ago. I was experimenting by lifting empty poly boxes onto the back of the truck when suddenly the chain broke and the entire load crashed to the ground. Not what I was expecting and all I could do was imagine what might have happened if it had been a couple of hives full of bees. Luckily, I had moved my standing position because the clamp part of the lift came crashing down to the ground and would have made a bit of a mess of any toes that might have got caught underneath it. After a bit of engineering repair work, I managed to fit another link in the chain and decided to give it another go. This time, everything seemed to be working fine as we moved more empty boxes around the grain store trying to get a feel for the mechanics of the lift and rebuild my confidence, to be honest. All of a sudden, another failure, as a clip and a compressed spring of some sort flew off the front edge of the bottom of the lift. Now, I'm not exactly sure what it does or why it would fail, but it really knocks your confidence, and for a second time, I was left feeling that this expensive piece of kit wasn't going to work in the way that I wanted it to. I have to say the guys at Maysmore, who are the UK's distributors, were very helpful and agreed that it could go back to them. Even if I could get it back together, not a particularly difficult job, I guess, but something that would need a bit of effort on my part. But even if I could do that, my confidence was knocked to the point that I really didn't want to take the lift out into the apiaries and start lifting heavy supers and hives on a day-to-day -day basis worrying all the time of another significant failure. So that was the end of a fairly short-lived trial of the captor lift. I'm sure they generally work well, but that wasn't my experience, unfortunately. And once your trust in a piece of kit is gone, it's difficult to go back. I have to add, the customer service from Maysmore has been fantastic. It's in no way their fault, and they've been very helpful and supportive at every step of the way. All of this means we're back on the hunt for a hive lift system to help with the day-to-day -day fetching and carrying at the apiaries, and I'm back online looking at easy loaders. Not a particularly cheap option. One of the other possible options that I'm looking at is called an Avant loader with a beehive lift. It's like a mini tractor with a forklift and clamp on the front not the most professional of descriptions. I don't suppose their marketing department would employ me to help with a catchy phrase to encourage sales, but that's basically what it is. The Avant comes in various sizes, and as they increase in size, their lifting ability also increases. The smallest one in the range is able to lift 350 kilos, but I'm guessing that will include the weight of the Hive Lift too, and that's 160 kilos. But of course, moving up to the next size mini tractor also gives an increase in hive lifting capacity, up to 550 kilos, a much better proposition. But of course, it's going to come with an accompanying uplifting cost.
all of this is just idle daydreaming unless we can get a really strong set of colonies fired up and working next year. If I can increase colony numbers to our target of around 250 and we get a decent crop off those, who knows, we may be in a position to think big. But on a serious note, and with an eye on the finances of the business, it's really important to me that we don't spend before we've got the crop in the barrels and also got it sold. It's far too easy to imagine a perfect season and load a business in debt only for the season to fail and have everything come crashing down around us. It's probably an obvious thing to say, but I see so many startups, not beekeepers here, but just general startups, with brand new vehicles, smart new premises and a pile of debt to service. Now, there's some sleepless nights just waiting for someone. Personally, I'd rather wait until we have the cash in the bank. Or maybe, just maybe, I've been a good boy this year and Santa might tick off a few of my items on that wish list. Well, here's hoping. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to check out my website, www norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques it's the same Patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey and remember, I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet (laughs) 